Pennsylvania has a long tradition of manufacturing centers. They called them ironworks, places where people came together to build things. This podcast is about building and sustaining our democracy. We call it Democracy Works. Hi, I'm Michael Berkman. And I'm Chris Beam. And today on Democracy Works, we're going to talk about the March for Our Lives, both in Washington, D.C. and State College, and for that matter, around the country and around the world. We're talking about this, um, you know, not so much about because of the issue, but uh, just because we we think this is a um, a pivotal moment in, in American history, and um, particularly with respect to this uh, Gen Z group, the um, uh, Pew just said that anybody born after 1997 is no longer a millennial. They are now a Gen Z. They are a Gen Z. Or post-millennial. And, and it is, it is uh, um, this group that, uh, that seems to be kind of spearheading this. And it's, it's very interesting to see what it is that they are um, uh, bringing to the table and how incredibly effective and uh, articulate they've been in this whole it, it is remarkable. They just seem to know what they're doing. They have uh, the ones that we've been seeing anyway. Just uh, but but here too as right. well in the right. state. You know, the, some of the kids from uh, state college. We'll absolutely see that when when uh, you see the um, we we had uh, Jenna took her a roving reporter, which is now a new title for Jenna. Right. Um, we just keep piling the exactly. jobs on. <laughs> <laughs> she she went to the um, the uh, the march at State College High and interviewed some students and um, and you'll see um, it is the same kind of um, articulateness poise um, you see these uh, this this sophomore girl who's speaking with extemporaneously without notes and and really doing a great job. It is just so interesting what's happened with them. And, you know, there's been a lot of uh, concern, I guess you could say, or from a perspective of democracy, small d anyway, of how, how engaged are, are, are these kids and I guess the millennials before them mm-hmm. and in politics and, and uh, voting rates have been low. A recent study that came out that was really quite interesting about – uh, about the uh, about Trump's victory, talking about this group as one of the groups of Obama supporters that just didn't show up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, will they be showing up? And all of a sudden, it seems to me like they found an issue uh, that is really personal to them. Right? They are the generation that's grown up during school shootings. You and I aren't. Right. Right. Uh, they're the generation that grew up during school shootings. Uh, and they have a sort of visceral dislike of politics that it seems to me this issue kind of encapsulates. And, and that is reflective in terms of their attitudes and in terms of their politics, not just about, um, you know, gun control. If anything, gun control is kind of not that different. But in terms of e- e- equality issues, in terms of gay rights, trans rights, in terms of climate change, they are a very um, liberal cohort but the question has always been, are they um, willing to take those issues and those those points of view into the political realm? Yeah, I, I was really struck by how seamlessly they moved to embrace uh, inner city violence, gun violence, and uh, to make this a very diverse mm-hmm. Uh, March to have a very diverse set of speakers, and I think it's—I don't think it's forced for them. Right. No, I agree. And and um, 
and and again, you're right. It didn't seem forced. In in some marches, you know, for the women's movement, this has been a key. This has been issue, a real problem. A yeah. real problem. Mm-hmm. And yet, these these kids <laughs> just come up and and pull it off. Yeah. So they're they're hunters. having some success. They also seem to to handle really well their defeats mm-hmm. and recognize mm-hmm. that you know it in a sustained social movement there there are going to be defeats and and they need to they need to energize the movement not to bring them down and you kind of get a sense with them that you know they're getting organized they're they're around for the long haul so uh all to say or all to support the notion that this is a moment in american political history and uh one that's worth taking seriously not just in terms of gun control but also in terms of the the condition of american democracy and and that's i think i was going to say that however you feel about gun control uh, it, it's got to make you feel good about democracy uh, yeah. to see them so engaged, so, so involved, and to handling themselves so well. Let's segue then into uh, into these interviews so we can hear uh, exactly what you're talking about. Very good. Let's bring on Jenna. Thank you, Chris and Michael. Um, So we met a lot of inspiring young people at the March for Our Lives in State College, and we're going to to hear from from a few of them now. Uh, We're going to hear first from two um, of the students who helped organize the the March in State College. Um, First up is Kira Gines, who is a sophomore, and then um, Kayla Fatemi, who is a senior. And Kira and Kayla both gave very passionate speeches at the start of the State College March, which you'll hear um, a little bit of each of those speeches. Um, And then you'll hear some of our conversation um, with them about their motivations for organizing the march and how they view themselves as small-D Democrats. So let's go now to Kira and Kayla. I get asked a lot, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to make a difference, and I know it's possible. I'm standing on the heels of people that have been protesting for years, protesting police violence, protesting gun control, just like us. It's possible. It always has been possible, and we have it in our blood. We're here to protest, to make a difference, and to go tell the rest of the country that we're not going to have it. It's enough. And so this year, just with all the things happening, it felt natural to just continue to set up these events and continue to make our voices heard and show people that there's a community around these events. I want to do what I can within my constraints. I can't vote for a number of years, but I can I can work with people who can vote. I can work with people who help organize things like this. Like I can go up there and I can make a speech and I can make my voice heard, and I know that I will continue to do so until I can hear until I see change, until I can hear change and until I can vote towards that change. I've got two lovely parents that have a habit of putting me on the spot. And so it's given me a lot of chances to work around my speech skills. I participate in forensics, which is speech and debate. And, you know, I just do things like this. Like, you're never good at anything when you start out. But the more you do it and the more passion you have for it, I have so much passion for activism. And when I start to feel that, like, you know, all the will it be okay, you know, will everybody listen to me, it just kind of goes away and it turns into I want my voice to be heard and I want my passion to come across, and it does. This is our revolution and we have nothing to lose in screaming, shouting, shrieking in favor of strict gun control because if we remain silent, we lose our lives. One good thing I think about the United States is that we do have the right of free speech and the right to express ourselves and 
to uh, um, vote, basically. And I think that the biggest initiative here we've been pushing is to get people to register to vote. Um, I think for us, democracy is voting in the people we want to be advocating for our lives and who will advocate for our lives. And uh, it was just something I felt like I had to do. And I think a lot of other students had the same feelings after watching the Parkland students who were our age. They could have been our peers if we were in Florida. So we're a different generation. We're not millennials. We're Gen Z. And I think that that really creates a difference because um, we're a lot more vocal and we're a lot less afraid. I think we've seen a lot of things continually happen and realize that if something's going to change, we have to do it ourselves and we have to demand it by ourselves. So I think that our generation is finally becoming old enough to be able to go out there and do these types of things. We're all starting to turn 18, 19. Um, so the oldest among us are starting to take the lead in this journey. And I obviously can tell already that the younger ones are following in us. There's so many little kids here today. Um, so it gives me a lot of hope. I think that our generation is really going to be one that changes the way this country works. And we're the generation that has basically had technology in our hands since the moment we were born. Um, it's just been very easily accessible our entire lives. So I think that combined with just the current climate has made us very unafraid, which makes us ruthless. We're not afraid to make jokes and I hate to use this word, but memes about like politicians and call them out and say like, you're doing awful things. and. We're not afraid to do that, and we're not afraid of the consequences that might come with that. Um, we're currently part of a statewide competition in which we are trying to get 85% of our senior class registered to vote. So we're going to be continuing to work on that. We're going to have tables in the school throughout the day for the next two or three weeks, just trying to get as many people in the senior class to register as possible. Um, and other than that, we are planning another walkout on April 20th. That one will not be sponsored by our school like our past one, and it'll be very political, so students will be getting in-school suspensions for that, but I think we're going to have a pretty big turnout still. We also talked with a few students from the Delta Middle School, which for listeners not from the State College area is a school within our district that is built upon a democratic model of education. Um, you'll hear first from Lena Adams, who is 14, and then from Lily Caldwell, who's 13. And Lena and Lily talked with us about how they organized a walkout at their middle school and how that momentum carried forward to the March for Our Lives. We were um, really deep into ma making sure that our school would be able to do the walkout and nobody would like get suspended or anything. And we uh, worked really hard at that, and it ended up like that the majority of our school was able to walk. I mean, we have a we're a part of a small school, Delta Small, but like the majority of that school, it walked out for. Um, gun legislation and to memorialize the victims, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, we were, after I had heard about the Parkland shooting, I had also heard, started to hear about the walkout and I kind of decided I wanted to try and start something in our school and some, after some other students had heard about it, they did too, so we had a small group that got together. But we had a conversation in our school afterwards about gun regulation legislation and that is kind of how, I guess, a lot of people started to really know what was happening and hear about it and I've seen some of my friends here today which is awesome. I just kind of want to add that I think it's amazing that it's starting to be youth and middle schoolers and high schoolers and even elementary students and college students who are really starting to notice and take action and I think it's going to make a big difference and make uh, bring attention to our politicians and our representatives, our state representatives, and that they need to take more action and we can't just say thoughts and prayers will fix the situation. 
So I'm here in the studio today with Hannah Strauss and Kian Nelson, who both attended the March for Our Lives protest in Washington, D.C. Um, thank you guys so much for being with us here today. It's no problem. Um, so let's start off. Um, it, was, it was a big day, something like 800,000 uh, people uh, on the, the National Mall. Um, can you just describe for me um, what your first impressions were? So you guys went on a bus and you pull up to the, the National Mall. What was it? What was it like? So I kind of I did have ex expectations because I went to the Women's March last year. So I kind of thought it would be a huge crowd, but it was I honestly thought it was tighter than the Women's March when I was actually in there in it, which I was not expecting at all. Mm -hmm. Kim, what about you? First impressions? There were just so many people, and it really made me, like, feel good to be around people that shared, like, my own views and opinions, and it was really nice to, um, this was my first protest that I've ever attended, and it was nice to stand up for something I believed in for once. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so what, um, when did you guys make, make the decision that you wanted to, to go to this event? How did that come about? Pretty much as soon as it was, um publicized as happening I went up to my mom and I said I really believe in this I really want us to do this and my family's very supportive of any kind of active like civil disobedience so as soon as she heard me say that she went and bought bus tickets and we brought my dad and my little brother and several of my friends actually came along who aren't from where we live which was really cool and um, Kian what about you when did you decide you wanted to go as soon as I heard about it, like, I jumped at the opportunity because I've always believed in gun control. And this was, um, I thought, like, this first time for everything, so I thought I might go to this one. As you've had a chance to, to reflect on your experiences there, what you saw, were there any moments in particular that, that stand out to you as you look back on that experience? I really appreciate, there are so many things about all of the speakers were amazing, and I, I respect them so much for doing what they're doing. Like, they're my age, and they're speaking in front of 800,000 people. I right. I would have been that girl who threw up on stage and said, you know what, I just threw up in front of international television, and I feel great. But to be honest, all of them, they're doing outstanding things, and that's really resonating with me. Like, our generation is going to be one that really hammers hard on this whole gun control thing. We're really going to be the ones standing up for this change. And, um, Kian, what about you? Anything that, that stands out as you uh, reflect back on, on Saturday? Yeah, it made me um, really good to be part of Generation Z. And the one speech that really stuck out to me was um, Emma Gonzalez and her six minutes of silence. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, for um, all the time that it took for those... 17 lives to be taken and it was just outstanding and kind of horrifying at the same time mm -hmm. at first i didn't really understand what she was doing with her silence the way she just she cut mm -hmm. herself off yeah so she's continuing you can uh, yeah sorry ahead. and like how like a bunch of people like started cheering like as like the minutes of silence were happening was like really awkward yeah. it, def it definitely felt awkward but after she revealed what she was doing so, like, I was confused, but then when she said that this was the amount of time it took for 17 of my classmates to die, I was like, oh, my God, that's no time at all. It felt like forever when it was silent, which imagine we were in a packed crowd. Imagining that 
in a classroom where you have to be dead silent because somebody is coming for your life, that's terrifying. Right, right. Yeah, so she she waited until the end to say kind of what, what she was doing. Yeah. So is there anything, any characteristics of, of your generation that, that you think will maybe take things in, in a different direction or be able to, to make progress that, that we haven't seen thus far? Well, generations are becoming um, more progressive over time, in my opinion. Well, I think that's a fact. But our generation, like, we're like the tech generation. We're the only generation to not remember a time before internet. And we know how to utilize it. And, like, you know, we're articulate. And um, I th we're set to be one of the most educated generations yet in the planet. So... I also feel like we're we're fed up with the things that have been happening. Mm -hmm. So I okay. like I'm 18 years old and I have I know so much about what's happening in our government and it makes me angry that nothing is being done to prevent things like Parkland. So for people who are our age, we see that and we see that we don't I mean, we do have a voice, but people ignore it. It just makes us angry and with this digital age, we have the opportunity to put out our anger for people, more people to see it, which is really helping what's going on now. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your, your families growing up. Are you guys from political households? Have you guys talked about politics a lot? My family is very political. So my dad is actually on um, one of the, I think it, uh, some sort of local government. And I started to get really into it like two, three years ago because of how much he was talking about it and I would want to like know what he was talking about so I would research what he was saying and I like made my own opinions so like my my family is all very liberal but I feel like we do have some differences in our opinions and like how we speak how we approach things which I do think is pretty interesting since I did learn from them have you noticed in in these these past couple of weeks since since the the Parkland shooting any change or increase in activism among your friends or, or other people at that school? I mean, there are definitely first time protesters like Kian who mm -hmm. did not go before, but there are. I feel like it hasn't changed very much. Like our generation is stigmatized for being like lazier and we don't engage, but I feel like we have that stereotype because we are afraid to engage because everybody tells us we can't yeah 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 go ahead can you so this was your your first your first protest right so mm -hmm. you kind of um uh, you know did you feel like you you had to go or you know did, did were you feeling any of those pressures about the the stereotype associated with with your generation no 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 it was it was all on me like i felt invigorated and like angry and frustrated and i was just like emotionally charged and so how did that how did that come out when you were in in dc on on saturday just i was um i was you know cheering but like it i mean it wasn't that like external it was more like internal like that feeling in my chest like my heart my heart's beating fast just like i'm thinking about like all the congressmen that like haven't done anything and it just makes me like really frustrated right and so you as as a, a sophomore you still have a few more years until you're you're able to vote how 
how will you keep that feeling in, in your chest alive, the, you know, the time between now and you know, when you're, you're able to, to vote? I'm just going to keep reading about politics and, um, yeah, just keep reading. Okay. And then, um, Hannah, you're, you're 18, right? Yep. So you'll be voting for the first time Yes, this I will year? be. I actually, I, the first thing I did on my 18th birthday, I'm sitting there on my bed and my mom comes in the room and she goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm registering to vote. It was legitimately the first thing I did when I woke up that day. One of the, the speakers at, at the march on Saturday uh, said, welcome to the, the revolution. What do you guys make of that? Do you feel like you're, you're, you're part of a revolution happening right now? Yeah, I felt um, really good to like be a part of something, you know, part of something in history. I feel like it is, to some degree, a revolution that we've had years where our government has become more and more money focused and now you can tell that they're starting to fear this young generation and they're trying to keep us quiet and we are not going to be quiet like our generation is not screwing around and they can tell and we want change to happen in numerous ways i feel it's almost despicable that they're telling us to sit down when we realize that something needs to happen. There needs to be some kind of change. And we are standing up for our right to live. That we are, we're students and we realize that something is wrong and they are trying to put us down. Mm-hmm. Do you sense any um, kind of division among your, your generation, you know, everyone who's kind of active right now about the best way to move forward, kind of the, the best way to, to see the change that you're, you're all kind of hopeful to, to have happen? There definitely are divisions. So I know some people who are calling, like, for a total gun ban. I know others who are calling for an assault rifle ban. I know some who are just calling for uh, apprehensive background checks. It really varies, and I feel like any of those three options would do amazing things and would save so many lives. It's just how far are you willing to push it? In my opinion, I think we should go, even though this is probably pretty unrealistic, but I think we should go as far as Australia and Japan, even though it would probably be impossible in this country. Uh, You uh, mean as far as Australia and Japan in terms of their their gun policies? Yes, and how they um, gave, they like awarded people who turned in their guns like money. Also, Mm. the way they handle like obtaining a gun is very Mm. interesting. So if you look at Japan... They have to go through like a background check. They have to go through a physical health screening, a mental health screening, and then they do like classes. You have to pass a test. And then they have like police that make sure that your guns are stored correctly and you're doing appropriate things with your guns. Why don't we do that here? It it saves so many lives in Japan and Australia. So did... um being being at, at the at the march and hearing about from the students who talked about the the communities that are not represented and did, did hearing those types of things make you reconsider your your own background your own privilege um, you know how did how did that all kind of play out in your mind I know that I have a lot of privilege because I am a white American I can go I mean I I am a woman so I can't There are some things that I would not do. I would not be able to walk down a city street by myself at night. That is not something that I would do. I would not feel safe doing that. But I could do it during the daytime. I would not be shot for 
walking down the block. And I know that that is a really big problem for people of color who they don't feel safe in their own cities. They don't feel safe in their own homes. And that is so saddening to me. And I, I have no idea how that must feel. Yeah. Yeah, I like I feel like really bad and I know like that I'm a, I'm a white straight male and I I know that I feel like I don't really have any like right to complain about like anything and that I should just like like let minorities do the talking and I kind of agree with that because they're the ones who have been experiencing like all these tragedies and inequality and yeah yeah, you can just kind of uh, uh, empathize, you know, as 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 much as you can, and Agreed. just kind of you know realize your where you live and kind of what your your upbringing has been. I do think it is amazing that the face of this movement is a bisexual Cuban Cuban female, <laughs> like that. Just that speaks volumes to how diverse the movement is going to be. Mm-hmm. The fact that we have somebody who is not male, not white, not straight as the leader is kind of amazing. So unfortunately, this is not the first school shooting. There have been many, many um, over you know recent recent months, recent years. But the the response to this one seems to be different. Um, how did how did that 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 make you guys feel seeing the the kind of different response to to this shooting in particular? Yeah, it was kind of just like finally, like you know, um, after Las Vegas, nothing really happened either, and um, I was talking with my um, parents the other day actually about like why is it this particular shooting that um, has evoked this response and it's just kind of because like I guess people think it's like the last straw you know and how um, these particular students are like more articulate and like more tech savvy and like can use this stuff to their advantage. These particular students are so vocal about it and I feel like I have not seen that from other students it's either like they haven't been that vocal or they've been silenced and these ones are especially so and have been able to get their voices heard okay so we're going to close here um with something that we've been doing at the end of of all of our our podcast episodes so the mccourtney institute for democracy which is the institution that that produces this podcast we do something called the mood of the nation poll um, which asks people um, how they feel about different issues going on in, in politics or kind of related to it. But it's an open-ended poll, so you don't have to pick which option you agree with or, or what have you. Um, but there are four questions that we always ask at the end of every poll. They're, they're really short, um, okay. so we'll try to have this be like a, like a lightning round or something maybe. So I'm going to ask you... Um, Four questions, um, and I'm looking for your best tweet-worthy responses. Now, some of the other guests we've had on here might not have maybe had that that kind of concept nailed down, but you guys should be on it. Yeah. So we'll we'll see here. So, um, what about uh, American politics makes you angry? Everything. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. The um. The Electoral College, um, Republicans in general. All right. And what makes you proud? I'm proud that we have this process and that we have the resources to let the people make change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm proud that we at least have a democracy. Now we can vote and, like, there's no dictatorship. So Right, yeah. Got to count for something, right? Yeah. Uh, what makes you worry? 
I am worried that we are so active, but we aren't going to go out there and vote. What about you? Yeah, like, I know that, like, I have a lot of friends that are, like, are politically apathetic. And it just, it makes me, like, a bit disappointed. Like, why don't you care about these things? Yeah. And then finally, what gives you hope? The fact that our generation is stepping up gives me so much hope. And I look at them, and I look at us, and I I see people who are going to change the world. Yeah, just the people, I guess, and um, the people that are standing up that I'm watching, like, I'm looking at them, and I'm like, yeah, you're going to lead us to victory. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, we will leave it there. Thank you both so much for joining us today on Democracy Works. You're very welcome. Thank you for having us. All right. Well, we're um, back, and that was uh, really something. I hope you got a a, a flavor of uh, just how talented and impressive these students are. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know, my, my son went to that high school, so I wasn't surprised at all. It's actually very similar to the students in, in at Parkland. Right. Well, I was gonna I was gonna emphasize not the families they come from, which I think is important, but also the fact that this is a school that provides you know, that has a really active theater program, that has an active debate program, that that teaches kids in a variety of ways outside of civics class mm-hmm. how to handle yourself, how to debate, how to speak extemporaneously, how to how to frame an argument, how to use facts. This is, this is a really important issue, I think. I mm-hmm. mean, and, and what we're seeing is the, the product of the way our country has decided to teach people how to become citizens. And um, for a variety of reasons, you know, that, that would take a long time to explain, um, t- schools have decided that the simplest, the the most benign, the most less least controversial way to do this is just to teach students the facts, just to teach them about you know this is the three led the three branches of government. This is what a pocket veto is. This is what the Supreme Court does. But what we've seen, um, you know, illustrated quite quite well from these students is that. Democracy is not merely about knowledge. It's about skills. It's Mm -hmm. about learning how to articulate your point of view to figure out what it is you stand for and then how to do it, how to stand and how to argue with people. Yeah, Yeah, it was hard not to uh, stand there. There were about 2,000 people. That's the official state college count of of the rally at the high school, which then marched onto Old Main on campus. so they're speaking before a lot of people. Right. And it was hard not to just be impressed. Yeah. And and so when you are making decisions about drama, about debate, about Model UN, things that don't necessarily uh, connect, um, obviously, yeah. to the quality of our democracy, you know, this – um, event demonstrates that that's that's not a smart thing to do necessarily. No, and there's something else they pointed out too about creating good democratic citizens, and that's uh, that many of them mentioned that they've been talking about politics around the dinner table for years. Right. And I know that with my own students, when I talk to them at the beginning of the semester with my freshmen about, you know, are you do you talk about politics? Do you think a lot about politics? Do you consider yourself politically engaged? You know, the 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 driving variable seems to be people that 
whose families argued about politics or talked about politics around the dinner around table. The dinner table. And, and we always think about democracy as being this kind of big thing, like you know the convention or a presidential election. But really, um, at some level, democracy is very, very small. It's about how we relate to each other and how we um, deal with the conflict that is inevitable. And um, you know, if you want to make our democracy better. Um, have some conversation <laughs> and, yeah. and have some conversations over the dinner table with your children and t- talk about what's in the news. And, mm-hmm. and, and again, we're seeing evidence in this event that those things matter, that those things have an impact. And, um, you know, irrespective of where you come down on these issues, it's a positive impact for our democracy. So and, are they going to vote? You know, I think— Not just at State High, right, not just right, in State right, College, but— right. I, I think there's there's um, an argument to be made that that you know this is a, what do they call it um, all throat and no vote you know that this is all going to be about their um, marching getting it out of their system it's all going to go back to normal and you know and that was you know Talcott Parsons' argument about the '60s you know they're going to be you know they're going to get mortgages and jobs and they're going to shut up and just be like the rest of us and you know maybe that's true maybe that's true but I I just don't get that sense. I, I get the sense that these students know what it is they're signing up for. Yeah, you know, politics changes when bystanders are brought into the system. Yeah, and so <laughs> will there be, will they be able to latch on and work with other kinds of issues that have that same general kind of frame but are not necessarily about guns? And this is where their passion lies. But, you know, again, this, this generation is extremely liberal compared to the generations that have come before. Will they grow up and become more conservative? Probably, but will that conservatism move them into what is now the political mainstream? I doubt it. They're very progressive on social issues. Yes. I'm not really convinced that they're necessarily that progressive on economic issues. No, I agree. And, and, you know... (laughs) We don't know what's going to happen either, right? But it is, um, it is irrespective of how this all plays out, this is a moment. And, uh, um, and, and, you know, again, I'm hoping that people who are real gun rights people will acknowledge that this kind of engagement uh, among the people in this generation is at bottom and at core a good thing for our democracy. And they've they've reacted to that in an incredibly responsible, constructive, and articulate way. And and when, you know, uh, Tucker Carlson called them self-righteous, I'm like, what a jerk. <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, irrespective of the fact that I don't think he's right, you know, it just strikes me as part of making our democracy work is letting people have that moment. yeah I, I mean and th- those sort of attacks are falling flat and they're especially they're especially falling falling flat among corporate America which has been withdrawing its support when this kind of thing happens and so. right and and so that is another thing yeah. that's, that's a good segue that, that, but for that's us. for another that's, that's another, another podcast another that's podcast good, yeah. but it is a big issue Jenna, let's and, get on that podcast and really <laughs> important and uh, uh, and again it speaks to kind of the changing com- uh, condition of our democracy yeah but i think we've um blathered enough for one day all right and uh remember um, to like us on itunes and and whatever it is you listen to and, and we have a space on our website for people to tell us 
what it is that, um, who they'd like us to talk to or talk about. And so um, I think we'll call it a day for Michael Berkman and uh, Jenna Spinelli. Uh, this is Democracy Works. This is Democracy Works.